Welcome to the Kesset Church Podcast. We are so glad you've joined us and hope you enjoyed today's sermon. If you'd like to find out more about Kesset, you can head to kessetchurch.com or find us on Facebook. Hey, good morning. Welcome to Kesset. Welcome to Kesset. My name's Danny. I am one of the pastors here. How many people made it in without shaking even one hand? Raise your hand if you didn't even shake one single hand. So far, I'm zero for zero. I haven't had to shake one hand. So uh, don't, don't try to break it because uh, my friend Dima came in. He tried to shake my hand. I just hugged him hard and he did not expect that. Uh, <laughs> I'm excited that you guys are here in, uh, in light of so much tension, right? So much going on this week. And so um, I think it's a good place to be. I'm, I'm thankful and I'm grateful. So thank you for being here. Uh, we have a lot to share with you today. We have a Tom update that is quite remarkable, but it's it's uh, actually being pushed to the end of my service. It's going to be at the end of my message because uh, I, I can't compete with it, and I don't want you to be distracted <laughs> by all the good things going on. Uh, we're in a series right now called Anonymous, and it's a teaching series about this, learning to live in the holy tension of our own power and powerlessness. And this, this idea is, is that there, there exists somewhere in our following of Jesus uh, between the stuff that we are as human beings and the stuff we are as, as soul-filled Christians. There exists this place between those two, including both of those, that, that is a little bit tense. And so what I want to recognize is that today uh, our whole world is tense, that this tension that, we're, that we've been talking about in this series, um, you don't have to guess at all what that feels like because it feels like what you're dealing with. It feels like a sense of power and powerlessness, this this place between I can refuse to go anywhere, but I still got to live. Um, I, 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 I want to say hi to people, but I don't really want to touch them at all. You know, I, I don't know how much is, is uh, being blown up or how much is reality. And you just sort of live in this, this tense place. And that's exactly this space that we've been talking about. Because as people, sometimes we feel anonymous. We feel like we're just a face in the crowd. And other times, um, it feels pretty good to be anonymous feels pretty good to just sort of step out and go, well, I'm not in charge. I'm just, just going to follow along. This is the posture I want you to take as you move into today's talk. This is, I don't want you to lose that feeling. So just hold on to it. I'm going to pray for us. And then uh, I, I think you're going to, I think you're going to be impacted because I know I was preparing it. So, so let's pray. Let's just uh, set this time before the Lord. If you don't, if you don't pray, if you're just here visiting, just uh just maybe uh, just uh, think about whatever it is that you're here looking for. Think about the spiritual things that you're here searching for. But uh, just uh, for those of us that, that are here seeking God, let's just ask him, Lord, make today clear. May there not be distractions. May there not be places that uh, we can't go in our minds. May we not be caught up. Uh, and yet, Lord, may we be present. Thank you that uh, we can talk about you, that we can wrestle with these kinds of things, and that, um, that you are the one who has the answers. We just lift this time to you now, in Jesus' name, amen. Uh, I'm going to ask you for a favor right off the bat today, kind of different, kind of strange, but I, I need to take something from you, and I'll set it right here on the podium, okay, I'll, 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 it's just imagine, I'll set it right here on the podium, but I need to take something from you that I promise I'll give back at the end of service, and you can then evaluate it how you want. And what I want to take from you is whatever your concept is of blessing. Whatever your mind ponders and, and thinks about when it comes to blessing, and even if you're not a Christian, again, we've got lots of secrets here. You come up after every service and appreciate being recognized. I don't know if you believers in the room realize when I say, hey, if you're just here 
talking about spiritual things. They're real people that are just here because we're a, a safe space for them to process their spiritual stuff. So whatever that is, whatever you think of as a blessing, I'd like you to give it to me. I'm going to talk about that topic today, and then at the end, I'm going to give it back. And I hope, I believe you're going to uh, experience it just a little bit different. So with everybody's preconceived ideas of blessing resting right here on the edge of the podium, I'm going to ask this question. When I get there. Just wanted to pause for just a minute and recognize all the blessings that you still were holding up. That's what's going on. Send them up here. Send them up here. Don't hold on. Here's the question. What does it look like? What does it look like to be blessed by God? What does that look like in your mind? It should be sitting right up here. In your mind, you should be able to imagine, okay, this is what being blessed by God or, or living a blessed life looks like. Uh, saying that you are blessed is a very popular thing these days. A quick look at Facebook and Twitter shows how many people today feel hashtag blessed. <laughs> College scholarship, hashtag blessed. Unexpected raise, hashtag blessed. Wonderful family, hashtag blessed. As Christians, we use this term, of course, too. I mean, it belongs to us, right? It came from, from our Bible. We pray God will bless our family at night. We attribute our undeserved gifts to God's blessings in our lives. We talk about our ministries and say how blessed they are. But what does it really mean? Maybe there's a different way to ask the question, how should we understand the blessings of God? Because the Lord talks about them all the time, so we don't even really have to come up with our own ideas, of which are all right up here, right? They're, they're in here. They're, they're talked about a lot. I recognize that for most believers in the room, and I would even say most people, I think the blessed life is really synonymous with the successful life. A loving marriage, having obedient children, a healthy body, a successful career, trusted friends, financial abundance, these are all things that we refer to as being blessed. So if someone has all those things, most would consider them extraordinarily blessed. And yet, as we turn to the Bible, which is our source for a lot of these things, this is thousands and thousands of years of people putting thoughts to paper. It's, it's spiritually orchestrated wisdom. It's, it's, it's packed full of all kinds of spaces that you can go and live in that tension we talked about earlier. If you look at the Bible, it teaches something unique about those people we just described, those people who are extraordinarily blessed. More often than not, people, according to the Bible, now you run this through your mind, who have great worldly success feel rather self-sufficient. And if they feel blessed for too long, at least blessed as we just described it, they become proud. They actually stop turning to God altogether, according to the Bible. They often will become a bit smug and self-righteous. After all, their hard work is what's yielding all this good fruit. Moreover, they rarely find a need to cry out to God for deliverance at all. With everything already so perfect and within their control, they have little need to trust God. They have all the power they want. This, I think, is pretty true. Most of us, I say, based on that earlier definition of what it means to be blessed, would say that every single person in Hollywood, every single rich person, every single tech mogul, every single person that does something amazing is Hashtag blessed. And yet we read every single day, it feels like somebody who blows up their life because they didn't lack enough self-control to guide themselves. They became their own God. And so in many ways destroyed the very thing they loved most, which is themselves. 
They, I'll put it on the screen, don't need God to fill them, for they are already satisfied. This is really the end game of what most of us would consider blessed. This this sense that I have control, that I can do whatever I want to do because I'm the one who got myself here in the first place. This is what the Bible would call wide road living. Matthew 7 says, enter by the narrow gate. For the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter by it are many. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. And those who find it are few. This picture is really a picture of traveling and doing life with God. It's it's not so much a finish line. And I think a lot of us like to think of our spiritual lives that way. Like, man, one day I'm going to become a Bible study leader. And then a ministry leader. And then a theologian and then a pastor and then a church planner and we have these like these goals we're trying to get to like we're running some sort of spiritual iron man but the bible says it's much more about traveling in relationship it's much more about traveling in community and he describes the two paths one wide and one narrow and the wide one is full of my own ways my own thoughts my own desires and and generally people who travel the wide road get to build a big entourage of other people who want to travel wide road and then there's this other path it's the narrow road and the idea behind the narrow road isn't that it's just hard because it's it's not wide enough there's no spaces to travel it's the narrow road because it's just enough room for you and Jesus to walk it you don't get to rely on this other thing that you're building, your life isn't built around this business or, or even this legacy or whatever it is in your mind that wide road people think is important or blessing. The road is about you traveling just with Jesus, doing what Jesus does, when and how Jesus does it. That's why it's so hard. Because Jesus can hike. Like, like he's, got, he's got some skills. He doesn't rest when you want to rest, and then he rests when you don't want to rest, which is almost as bad. Like, I'm feeling good. He's like, nah, let's just sit here and enjoy the view. You're like, no, today's the day we can make up all those miles we lost last year. And he's like, nah, I don't think we really lost any miles. I'm right where I want to be. Well, I'm not where I want to be. Look at all those people on that wide road. Like, they got a cart and food and stuff. They're so blessed. And Jesus is like, uh, like, you're with me. I am. I am. And so you slow down and say, okay, Jesus, let me, let me rethink this. It's hard to live that way. As a matter of fact, the only way I know of to live that way, and it's one of the phrases within our anonymous series, is to defy the world's way of, of following and being and to obey Jesus. It's to live defiantly obedient within that tension of yourself that really, if you're honest, you admit you want to be there. Way more fun. I mean, they have a microwave. Way easier. But you know, because you watch people just spill over into the edges. You watch people not wake up, miss the sunrises and sunsets and all the beautiful things along the trail. All they're worried about is managing the drama of the other people on their wide road. But you, you see it and you watch it and then all of a sudden you get this deep connection with Jesus. And you're like, yeah, I am where I'm supposed to be. And so you defy and you obey Defying the world and its concepts of blessing or success while instead choosing to obey God and the ways he teaches that lead to life. Just keep your ideas up here around blessing. Don't take them back yet, even though you're like, wait a minute, I want to rethink it. I, didn't, I said I'd give them back. So they get to stay right here because you're all about to be hashtag blessed. 
The biblical view of blessing is actually firmly established in Scripture. One translation, the one we use here, which is a a word-by-word translation, it's the ESV. It's a great English Standard Version. It's a great study Bible. The, The one we use here has 112 references with the word bless, blessing, or blessed, none of which connect blessing to material prosperity. None. 112 words in, this, in the New Testament that talk about blessed, blessing, or blessed, none of them talk about what you and I think hashtag blessed actually means. I think most of us have been using the word wrong. Therefore, I think most of us have been describing what being blessed is wrong. Consider these verses. Matthew 5 Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you. How about Luke 11? Blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and keep it. Romans 4, 7. Blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven. James 1, 12. Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial. The book of Revelation, chapter 14 and 19, two different verses. Blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. And blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. Again, there is no hint of material prosperity or perfect circumstances in any of these verses. There is no perfect scenario or ideal concept. There is no place you can go or, dare I say, zone you can live in in order to be blessed. The Greek word translated blessed in these passages is the word makarios, and it actually means to be fully satisfied. It refers to those receiving God's favor regardless of their circumstances, regardless of what it is they're dealing with. It refers to people that that suddenly find along this narrow road this this incredible thirst-quenching, Spirit of God, living water, the Bible calls it, that suddenly look around this world and know they are where they're supposed to be, as they're supposed to be, with who they're supposed to be there with. And there is this calmness and this depth in a person who is truly satisfied because they have no wants for all the things they need lie in the face of God. They are no longer distracted with worry by the noise and commotion by the cacophony of sound that's traveling down the wide road, trying to lure them in to new car, new wife, new job, new, new portfolio, better, better, better. Suddenly they're in a space where they are as they are supposed to be. They are satisfied. They are filled with makarios. They are filled with blessing. Throughout the Bible, this is how blessing has worked. It is typically connected with either poverty and trial, or the spiritual benefits of being joined by faith to Jesus. Perhaps one of the most blessed men in the Bible is uh, David, King David. Now, there's a little book that I like to give to people called A Tale of Three Kings, and it's a little book that helps people who, it helped me, and so I felt like it helped other people with, with some of their church hurt and some of their ideas around what it means to be in a faith community and all those kinds of things. But the biggest concept of the book is this one, that King David, who was anointed by God to be king after Saul, who was, by the way, the definition of a worldly blessing. 
See, the people of Israel wanted a king. They never had one. They had judges. They had prophets. They wanted a king. And God said, well, no, I'm your king. And they said, yeah, yeah, we want something we can touch. And God said, okay, well, what does that look like? And they, they had this mind's eye of what a king was. He'd be tall. He'd be elegant. He'd be ripped. I threw that in, but I believe it. <laughs> right? He'd, be, he'd just be stunning and to listen to and follow. And so this man, Saul, was born, who ended up being head and shoulders above every other man in the kingdom. And they said, we want him to be king. And God said, okay. And so Saul became king, and great things happened for the nation. And as great things happened, the road, the road got wider. As the road got wider, people started to kind of worship Saul. And at first, he was like, no, 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 it's all God. Maybe a little me. After a few years, he began to take in that worship, and he really did think it became him. And so he stopped offering the offerings, and he stopped doing the prayers. And he just basically, after a while, said, look at all the things I've done. We're so blessed. And people said, you're awesome, Saul. And God said, I quote, I'm out. <laughs> Some of you are like, what version of Bible is he using? <laughs> it's the ESV folks. <laughs> he says, I'm out. I'm out. I'm not doing this. And so he finds this little shepherd boy in a field, a quite young one. And he goes to a prophet and he says, go anoint him. And he's like, the shepherd? And he's like, yeah. And he pours some oil on the kid's head. And he goes, you're the new king. And the kid goes, okay. And he goes back to the field. It's an awesome story. Look it up. He goes right back to the field. He just goes, all right. And he goes back to the field doing what he's doing. He, he knows that he's not, he's not this image everybody wants. And so he just doesn't accept that to be who he's supposed to be. Eventually, God removes Saul and David becomes king. He becomes, in a sense, the most blessed person that has ever lived. He writes a majority of the Psalms. I mean, his heart is just incredible. But David, he remembers all those difficult experiences that got him to where he was, the hiding in a cave and the killing of a giant and all these difficult things. And so when he has his son Absalom, he protects him from all those difficulties. He, doesn't, he grows up in a palace and he has, he has all the, the, the servants and the care and the wealth he wants. He's the most blessed son of the most blessed man. And then eventually one day Absalom sitting down by the gates frustrated that he can't be more than he is. And some people down by the city gates go, you know what, you should be king. And he goes, what? My dad's king. I mean, you think so? And they go, yeah, you should be king. And he goes, well, I mean, if you want me to be, I mean, I, I'll do what you need. I mean, if you think I could do it. And a few years go by and suddenly David takes over the whole kingdom looks out over it and realizes that Absalom is about to take it from him, and so he leaves. He says, because of the brokenness in his own heart and his own experiences, hey, I've seen God take a kingdom from another man, Saul, and if God wants to take my kingdom and give it to my son, then so be it. And so he steps out and leaves, and as he leaves, someone curses him, and his soldiers, which are mighty, mighty soldiers, say, we'll kill that guy on the way out. And David says, no, maybe it's God. Maybe it's God, I don't know. In the end... God was not with Absalom, for Absalom was just a different version of Saul. In the end, God gave the kingdom back to David, and here's the premise of the whole book. David always thought he was Saul or Absalom. He always thought that he wasn't worthy. He always thought that he was damaged. He always thought that his heart was broken. He had been through so much that he only knew how to live on the wide road, and he couldn't imagine that that was enough to, to be a king for a people, and yet God had followed him the entire way. And also, just for perspective... Absalom and Saul, they always thought they were David. Overly anointed, overly special, 
very important to the kingdom, very important to the story. They really feel ridiculed and persecuted all the time and wondered why people would turn on them. See, the heart of David is the heart of a person who's been through difficulties. That's why blessed are the poor, blessed are those who mourn, blessed are the persecuted, blessed are the people who get to walk down that narrow road and have the things torn out of them that distract them and cause them to feel that they are more than they are when in the eyes of God they are so much more than they could ever be without him. See, my desire for God is greatly fueled by my need. My desire for God is greatly fueled by my need. Blessing is typically connected with either poverty and trial or the spiritual benefits of being joined to faith in Jesus. That is what blessing looks like. It is connected to those things. And if you really, truly, don't take it back yet. I'm going to give it to you in just a second. But if you truly, truly, truly live your life feeling blessed, then you've got to know it is a tense thing to experience. Because Jesus is always pulling out the stuff in you that he wants to replace with the stuff of him. The Bible describes it as pulling out a stone heart to replace with a heart of flesh. It is in these areas of losing pieces of myself that I feel my need for God most intently. Unmet desires keep me on my knees, deepen my prayer life, and make me ransack the Bible for God's promises. Vanitha Reisner says, I love this. This is the definition of a blessed person's life. This is the definition of a blessed person's life. Somebody who knows that without the things they're experiencing, they would move slowly to the wide road. I must admit that in my own life, Without long seasons of tearing, I would not follow Jesus the way that I do today. I often struggle to confess this truth about myself, but I know it to be so. I know that each of my own trials grounded my faith in ways that prosperity and abundance never have. I have succeeded at many things in ministry. And almost every single time with new success comes new distraction. But I have failed at an abundance of things throughout my life. And I can tell you every single time there has been fruit blooming in my heart afterwards and more faith in my God. These trials of mine were not blessings in themselves, but they were channels for them. This comes out in me all the time, especially when I meet with somebody that is similar to me in their, in their tone, similar to me in their hookup. I met with a young guy a couple months ago. Actually, I gave him that book. And uh, that I just read because much of his spirit reminded me of my own spirit. And I remember we had this super cool uh, meeting and had a connection. And he was talking about all the things God's going to do in his life. And as we walked outside, he goes, so what do you think that's going to take? Something like that. And I ended up saying to him, well, it's a lot of death. It's like a really bummer way to end a great meeting. (laughs) A lot of death. And he's like, what? And I said, just read the book. You'll see. There's a lot of death. If you want to follow Jesus. And it's not death in the, in the sense of these things that you, that, you, uh, that, that you should love. It's death of the things that you shouldn't love. Death of the things that other people tell you that you are supposed to be about. It's defying them to obey God. And that is what it means to be blessed. This is what I want to give back to you now. I want to spin your blessing 360 degrees as you consider all that I've said. And then think about this. I'll tell you what a blessing is according to the Bible, and I'll put it on the screen. Scripture shows that a blessing is anything God gives that makes us fully satisfied in him. 
112 times. Anything he gives that makes us fully satisfied in him. Anything that draws us closer to Jesus. Anything that helps us relinquish the temporal and hold on more tightly to the eternal. Often, it is the struggles and trials, the aching disappointments, and the unfulfilled longings that best enable us to do that. And this is because pain and loss transform us. While they sometimes unravel us, they can also push us to a deeper life with God than we ever thought possible. They also make us rest in God alone and like actually rest in God, not what we can do or achieve for him or what he can do or achieve for us. Instead, when we have pain and loss, what we long for is presence. We long to be in relationship. We long to know that God is for us and with us and in us. We long to be connected with him, with ourselves, with other people. We long to rest and be quenched. Stop chasing this world in this never-ending conveyor belt of success and accolades and other things that, by the way, you'll never fully catch, ever. I get the privilege of watching a lot of people pass from this life to the next, and the difference between a person, a woman or a man who has spent their life on the narrow road, a woman who has poured out their life, as Paul said, going after the things of God who knows they finished their life well, and a person who has built a life chasing those inevitable things they've never caught, the hollowness of their life, the dreams they wish they could have had, the things they never accomplished, the relationships they left torn wide open, the legacy that they know, of wide road living they've passed on to their children and their children's children, I'm here to tell you those rooms are vastly different. And yet this person on paper, this wide road person would be far more blessed according to most of our understanding. The peace that this person has, the connection, completely different. They're drawn close They've let go of the temporal. They're holding tight to the eternal. And they're showing those after them what it means to truly walk to that narrow road with Jesus. Great families, financial wealth, good health, they're all wonderful gifts. We can thank God for them. And I love the gifts of God. I think they're awesome and I, they, they bring so much joy to my life. But the gifts of God are different, friends, than the blessings of God. Because all too often, we may even lose focus and delight in these gifts of God more than even God himself. We forget that the presents aren't always the present giver, for God's greatest blessing always rests in God himself. And that's why when he blesses you, he blesses you with more of him. Not more of what you want, but more of what you need. And he is what you need. He is the hope. He is the, the way maker and the change bringer. And it's beautiful what he can do. And when we have that, we are truly, truly hashtag blessed. You can take back your blessings now, your preconceived ideas. Some of you are trying to leave them up here because they don't work anymore, but I'm just going to flick them off on the floor. Okay, these are not, those are yours, so come up and get them after service. <laughs> Disinfect them before you pick them up, though, because you don't know where I've been. <laughs> I share this today because before I bring up Pastor Tom and we share our update with you, I want you to, I want you to see something 
I want you to recognize that in Pastor Tom and I's update, there's a lot of really neat things of God, a lot of incredible gifts, and I think you'll leave here today blown away with all that God is giving us. But I want to remind you that we at Kesed have spent almost 11 years now watching the Holy Spirit build the true meaning of blessing into our community. God has allowed us to work very hard, to experience a lot of tearing, to sacrifice much, to put forth effort that didn't always seem like it was bearing fruit in equal terms, to build our faith, to watch, to see, to experience, to pay. These are the people that hold babies that no one sees. These are the people that push carts that no one hears about. These are the people that show up early and set all this up. These are the people that take offering and set up communion and pray for you during the middle of the week. These are the people that run all the, the front of house, all the, the, the guest services. These are the people that, that check in your kids. These are the people that help and, and lead in the different ministries throughout the week. These people are the people that I consider the blessings, the God-given blessings of our church. And so as I share with you some mind-blowing gifts of God, it's very, very important to me that you do not get distracted by the gifts and then think because of the things we're about to share with you that we're blessed. That you don't go, this is amazing. That's unbelievable. That must mean God's really blessing our church. No, no, God's already been blessing our church. And if none of this stuff that I'm about to share with you ever happened, we would still be fully blessed. And so are all those other beautiful churches out there that are serving and working and praying and helping. We are not more blessed. For God walks with all his children the same. We get to relish in his gifts for he knows what he's doing, I believe. He's pretty good at this whole church planning thing. But it's important to me that we don't change our posture, that we remember that these are the gifts of God that are coming to us, but that we recognize they do not satisfy us, for we are already satisfied. We are already who and where and what we're supposed to be, and if God never blessed us with anything else, he's already blessed us with too much. How wonderful is that? to receive more from him. And so I want to bring Tom up, and I'm going to blow your minds today. I promise. I know, it's a big promise, but it's going to happen. And you're going to remember that God has already blessed us while he brings us these good things. Amen? Amen. Amen. We give Pastor Tom a hand, please. We're going to take the last 10 minutes of service, and there you go, Tobe. Uh, you guys met Toby? This is my friend Toby. Toby's one of those people. Wave to the people, Toby. Hello. Toby's one of those people that, uh, that has served. I think Toby has been taking um, the podium off for, for how long now, Toby? Uh, 10 years. <laughs> 10 years. <laughs> 10 years. As a matter of fact, uh, Toby uh, was the infamous gumball dropper. Do you remember that service where we purposely dropped the gumballs on stage and they went everywhere? So I've been out with Toby where someone stopped and they're like, oh, I think I know you guys. And I'm like, okay, you probably know me from church. And they're like, yeah, yeah. Aren't you the gumball guy? Didn't you? <laughs> <laughs> so it's, it's a really beautiful thing that, um, that he and his wife, Julie, and so many others like him uh, serve here at Kesson. Hi. Hi, Danny. So I've built this thing up, so it better be good. Oh, man. 
Well, okay. So we have a list of, of good things that God is doing. Yes, we do. Danny. And so uh, you'll take the first three, and then and I'll take the, the last three, and we'll, we'll see if they leave with their minds blown like I promised. Danny, that sounds great. <laughs> Thank you, Tom. <clears throat> great sermon, by the way. Oh, well, I appreciate that. Yeah. Hey, good morning, everybody. I think it's still morning. Good morning. Um, a few things to share with you. Uh, a couple things that happened in the month of February, if you remember right. We partnered with another local church who does an outstanding job with the homeless and those who are in need. And we took four truckloads of blankets and sleeping bags and socks and all kinds of things over there. And yeah, yeah, you guys did a great job. <laughs> you guys were very generous and uh, they, wanted us, they wanted to make sure that we told you guys that for the month of February, that was the first time ever they never ran out of sleeping bags to give to the homeless. So thank you, yeah. Another thing that happened in February was um, we had a family in our church who wanted to match uh, the funds for the building fund, um, the Uptown Project, and uh, I just want to report that this church gave over $36,000, which matched means $72,000 mm -hmm. for our building fund, just for the month of February. So again, you know, thank you for your, for your faithfulness, for the generosity. That's going to go a long ways and get us in, getting us in the new building, so thank you. Uh, the next thing I want to talk about is just Easter, and there'll be a lot of communication about this over the next month, but um, on Good Friday, on April 10th at 7 o'clock, will be our last service here at Clark. Wow. Yeah? This is where Danny says, we hope. <laughs> no, it, it will be, so... Um, and I, just, I want to take this time, too, is, is our contractor down there, um, uh, Northwest Legacy, with Monty and Bruce and their whole family, they have done a great job for us. When you see them, tell them thank you. Mm. They're working really hard for us. So. Okay, then moving to Saturday, April 11th, at 6 o'clock, we will have our first service downtown, uptown, downtown, at our new building. So that, that weekend we'll have... Okay. Yeah. So that weekend we'll have three services, and we're gonna we're gonna put a plan into place to try to figure out kind of who's going to what service because we don't want everybody showing up to Saturday or just one of the Sunday services. We 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 really don't have the parking for that, and so uh, so it's it's gonna be a blast. It's gonna be a lot of fun, but we'll be in we'll, we're gonna uh, the next few Sundays if you can attend, try to stay here because we're gonna be communicating more and more every single Sunday, as well as we're gonna put some tour nights in place. So that hopefully everyone uh, over about a two-week period can come in, tour the building, ask all their questions, especially those of us with kids or, or uh, you know, where do I give, where do I, how's it work, how's the building work? We want to do a lot of that for you before you actually show up. And so uh, we'll be, we'll be uh, connecting more about that over the next few weeks. Danny, do you have any other good news for us? <laughs> I thought you did a great job. Well, well thank you, Danny. Can I have your card? Is that all right? because I left mine back in the back, thanks. Okay, um, along with us moving into the building, uh, we're gonna make a few changes to our weekends. First, we're gonna continue with our Sunday 9 and 11, but we're also gonna add a Monday night Celebrate Recovery service. This will be, uh, yeah, very, very exciting. We're gonna give you some more information about this as well. We're just trying to get all this out, and uh, you're actually gonna leave today with a card so that you can 
uh, pray about participating in the service. There's going to be kind of a meeting on a, the Monday night prior right after Easter, and then we're going to launch the service. It'll have worship. It'll have child care to a certain age. It's really a special thing, and it's very, very needed in our community. Uh, we've got some great leadership that I'm going to introduce you guys to over the next few weeks, but I'd like for you to pray about that. Now, along with a Monday night service, we are also going to add an additional weekend service midweek, and that's going to be Thursday nights. So Thursday night will be the first service, okay? Thursday night will be the first service of the weekend. So it'll be Thursday at uh, 6.30, yes? And, uh, and then that'll be service A, if you will. And then Sunday at 9 will be service B. And uh, Sunday at 11 will be service C. So if they're all the same, same people, same team, same worship, same me. But what this does is a few things. One, uh, Thursday night is the least there's, they're all club sport nights, but Thursday night is the least club sport night of the week. It's actually most churches small group night. So this works well for us uh, to gather and, and worship and, and have church. Also, it gives people who work weekends a chance to come. Or if the, the weekend's coming or the sun is out and you're like, hey, you know I'm not going to be at church on Sunday. That's all right. You can go to Thursday, right, in the evening. So you can check that out. And Yep. The other thing it does, in the name of emotional health, which is very, very important in our church, uh, this allows our staff, and, and I have not experienced this for the last 21 years of full-time vocational ministry. Right now, we have Saturdays and Mondays off. We don't have two days off in a row, but now our staff's going to switch from a Sunday through Thursday schedule, meaning for the first time that I know of, uh, we're a church in town that actually everybody gets uh, Friday, Saturday off, so two days off in a row, a true weekend, which is a really special thing. So, Celebrate Recovery Monday, Thursday, we're also going to have a pre-service info meeting. This information will also be on the card that you're leaving with, because what we need is 150 people from our current weekend service to commit to attending this service as a family from now through the end of the year. We want those people to commit and help plant it, help get it started, help get it going. If you hate it by the end of the year, you can shift back to your normal church service on the weekend, but we need folks that are going to come to serve, to help, and so on. So we're also going to have an informational meeting first Thursday after Easter to talk about that, and then we are going to launch the same week that uh, we launched Celebrate Recovery. So Monday night, Thursday night, and then uh, two services on Sunday. That's what we feel we can do now and be healthy. We think it makes a lot of sense, and it meets a lot of needs. Now, last announcement. We recognize as we move downtown slash uptown that we are, we, we are trying to figure out how we take a church this size. As beautiful and large as the building is, we've already filled it. Uh, I mean, six and a half days a week, we have all kinds of ministry things happening there. It's, it's unbelievable. We've been trying to figure out for the last six months, so, so what do we do about these other ministries, about ministries on top of ministries, about all these different events and things and places? And uh, we've... We've really not come up with any answers other than that God knows. And he knows the size of our church, and he knows what we're doing. And, 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 and he is, I believe, blessing us by tearing away distractions. And he's also gifting us with some of his things that he's doing and working in. About five weeks ago or so, I think, um, I got invited to a coffee with a pastor here in town. Uh, I went and sat with him, and, and he asked me some questions about our church and about our ministry. He knew me from before, and, and he had all kinds of great questions, and he said, would you mind bringing one of your pastors to our elder meeting? And I said, sure. And so Tom and I went to an elder meeting and had a discussion that then uh, resulted in us getting invited to a meeting they had with their consultant they hired about four or five months ago who was helping them figure out as a church 
what they needed to do and where they needed to go and who they were supposed to be. Church is about 40 years old. It's about 90 people. Um, it's got a nice piece of property, a nice building. They don't, have, they don't have a lot of debt. They're healthy. They're strong. But they just feel like God wants... They're, they're us, right? They want, they want more kingdom. They want more. They just want to be a part of whatever he's doing. And so uh, I ended up sitting in a room where they asked me, and then eventually our elders and their elders got together to discuss this, what it would look like for them to walk out the same process that we all walked out with Main Street or First Baptist, for them to gift us their entire building along with their beautiful 90 people and their legacy and everything else and become a part of Kesed just in a different location, something we could use for midweek, something we could look at for future weekend expansion. We have no idea because it's so fresh and new. And so we wanted to tell you that today, that, uh, <laughs> that, <laughs> that, there's, a, that there's another church that, that wants to come and partner with us, uh, go through the adoption process. As it's not a merger. They would become Kesed, and uh, they're beautiful people, and uh, their beautiful legacy would become a part of ours, and we together would figure out what that means for the kingdom. And so I don't have all the answers. I'm hoping to find out a lot more in the next uh, four or five weeks so that I can let you know. But I... Uh, I've been sitting with it and our elders and a few of our key staff members for a long time, and I needed other people to, to shoulder it with me because uh, it's a huge responsibility and an incredible gift. And I think it comes because we are willing to tear away the things that don't matter. These people, when I asked them, we asked them in a room, why us? They said, it's just the way that we think and care about the kingdom, and it's how they think and care about the kingdom and we're all sitting here going to give it all away anyways, folks. Don't think that any of us aren't going to hand this thing off to the next generation. So we're all stewarding other people's legacies, both behind us and in front of us, as it is. So we have this opportunity, and we are prayerfully with our elders and their elders walking through it. I'm actually going to, uh, to be meeting with their church um, soon in a congregational meeting, and then uh, we'll have more updates for you guys. But we thought, we thought that you should know. The name of the church is Columbia Christian Church. It's over directly across the street from Columbia River, so I guess if you want to go stock it and just drive around the circle, <laughs> 1,200 people just driving around the circle, it's super straight. <laughs> We're with Kesson, it's okay! I just, uh, but um, it's a beautiful thing, and uh, it, would, it would meet a ton of needs while bringing a whole bunch of wisdom and experience into our community, and we're, we're just so excited about it. Would you like to add anything to that? Wow. Um, you know what, I was able to attend there a few weeks ago, and uh, it's, it's like Danny said, there's just, there's about 85, 90 people, they're just beautiful people, they're mm -hmm. just, they're just salt of the earth, lots of wisdom, Danny, I think they'll fit in just fine here, uh, I look forward to, to seeing them, I've, I've been able to spend some time with them already, and I just love them to death, they're just great people, so I'm really looking forward to it, I'm yeah. excited. Yeah, yeah, so it's, it's a, it's a, It's up just by Columbia River High School. So how far is that up I-5? Oh, uh, it's not that far. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, no more questions. Okay, good. <laughs> I don't have all the answers. I'm living in it too, uh, and I'm excited to partner with you guys. So what I want to do is I want to have the worship team come out. I asked them if they would... Uh, just give us a song to kind of send us on our way so we just didn't leave with that. And so we're going to sing the Waymaker song. So I'm going to have you guys stand up. 
And uh, we're just going to spend the next five or six minutes just uh, bringing all these concerns, bringing all this stuff to God. Let's just, uh, let's just take a minute and be excited about his blessings, his gifts, and the way he's moving inside of our church. Heavenly Father, we thank you for who you are and the way you're using us. We're so excited. We're pretty overwhelmed. And I know for me, my mind is blown. We thank you, God, that we can be defiantly obedient, that we can choose not to follow this world and the way it says you have to find success, but we can just rely on you. We can just wait and you bring it right to our front door. Thank you for the people at Columbia and the way you have just, uh, just opened up their hearts. Thank you for the blessing that it seems, God, we will be together for Clark County. We lift this time to you now and all of God's people said, amen.